Welcome in to Red Zone Radio. It is great to be here. Great to have you. Just a reminder that you can listen to Red Zone Radio on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere that you get your podcast. And we have got a great Thanksgiving weekend. The game, Ohio State, Michigan, some other really good games on Saturday. I'm really interested to see USC and Notre Dame. That should be really interesting. It's definitely going to affect um, how the playoff plays out. We talk about a potential scenario, uh, which is pretty likely, in which Ohio State and Michigan both get in the playoff. And we'll be talking some NFL as well. So let's get straight into it. All right, let's start off with the game, the biggest game of the weekend. It is just, this is going to be amazing. You got 11-0 against 11-0, two versus three. Um, th- this is going to be incredible. Ohio State and Michigan, listen, it, it, and, I'll be, and I'll be previewing the Iron Bowl later. There's nothing wrong with the, like, I don't, like, it, it is a great rivalry. I'm not trying to debate that the Iron Bowl is not great. But to me, it, you know, if you want to say the SEC is the best conference, that's fine. I, I agree with that. But to sit there and say, you know, the Iron Bowl is a better rivalry game, I, I completely disagree with that. I think, it, I mean, it is the game. Hatred brewing on both sides. <laughs> so many legendary players from both schools. I, I, the game is the best rivalry game in, in all sports, in my opinion. And so we're going to get that here Um and so we got Ohio State, Michigan, 11-11-0. It means everything to both these teams. Let's break this game down. So here's the thing. Obviously, um, what's so interesting about this game is the fact that, you know, in what is kind of an obvious, um, almost understatement here, the per and, and even though you're going to be like, well, you can say this about any game, I think you can really say this about this game, which is the fact that whoever in this game gets to play the game on their terms and whoever gets to play the game with their style, I, I, that that's who's going to win in my opinion. And I know it's like, well, you can say about any game, but I feel like this game more so because the fact that these two teams have completely opposite approaches to the game, both successful in their own respects. Here's the thing. If Michigan, for example, and let me kind of try to give you an example of what I mean. If Michigan goes out there and they score an early touchdown and maybe a field goal and they go up 10 nothing, they are absolutely built to play like that. They are built... To, to sit there with a 10 nothing lead from the second quarter to the end of the fourth quarter and and put pressure on Ohio State, that is Michigan's kind of game right there. However, in the opposite approach, if Ohio State goes out there, they score one early touchdown, another early touchdown, and, and you look up at the score, maybe it's 14-7 to end of the first quarter, Ohio State. To me, that feels like an Ohio State kind of game if, if the game were to keep progressing that way. Um... Ohio State is made to play in that kind of... You saw it against Maryland last week. Basically, what you saw both teams do last week when they both kind of struggled, that is... Those are the two kind of games they're built to play in. Ohio State was built to play, you know, in that 30, 40-point range where they end up winning it, giving up points. Michigan was built to play in that 17, 16, uh, you know game with a win with the late last second field goal where there were like no points scored 
barely any in the second half by any team. Um, only like a touchdown, I believe. So it, it's going to be really interesting um, to see these two teams at work. The other thing to talk about, and this is, to me, th- there are two th- this is another reason why it's so important early in the game to be able to play the game on your terms, whether you're Ohio State or Michigan. You both have glaring questions where the other team has their strength. Here's what I mean by that. Ohio State's absolute weakness on offense is running the ball. It is why their offense... By the way, I have a hard time saying they struggled. I mean, they've been putting up 30-plus points. They are the best offense in college football, in my opinion. However, um, C.J. Stroud does get rattled sometimes. Um, And part of that is, and and here's the thing. I understand, by all means, he does not have the escapability of a Caleb Williams over Bryce Young. He can move. He doesn't have the, you know escapability, the the ability to run, if you will. But part of the reason why in certain, not all games, in certain games this year, in my opinion, why you've seen him get kind of, when the pocket, get, when the pocket gets muddy, why you've kind of seen him struggle is because he, he he's holding the ball too long because of the fact that even though he has great weapons, they can't get open because they cannot run the football. And those defenders, those defensive ends, I, I don't care who you're playing. If the defender in the back of their mind knows you're going to pass the defensive ends, tackles, and they can just pin their ears back and try to get after you, it is going to affect you. Even if they're, you don't have to be Chase Young to, to put pressure on the quarterback if you know it's going to be a run, or if you know it's going to be a pass, I'm sorry. And so I think what's so important to Ohio State in this game is to establish the run game. Because if you watch the first quarter, because I think personally Ohio State is going to try to do that. And I think that's been a theme for Ryan Day all year. They're going to try to pound the ball. But if they struggle the first quarter and they start giving Michigan the ball, that is going to be, that's going to be a question mark. That's going to be, you know, not good for Ohio State. If they do have success... In the by the second quarter, second third half, you're going to see them start to really open things up, and that is something that Michigan cannot afford to do. So it, it, Ohio State running the ball is super important in this game, where Michigan has their strength. And what I meant by when I said they both have weaknesses where their team has strengths, well, Ohio State's strength is passing. What is Michigan's weakness on offense? In my opinion, is passing. J.J. McCarthy is a great athlete, but they have not had him. Um, I don't want to say throw the ball. He has not had to throw this year. He made a, th- don't get me wrong, I in the Illinois game, he didn't make a throw. But only one to two times has he really had to make, he, he really has had to make a, a, you know, they really haven't put the game on his shoulders where he, where he has to make a throw in a tight window. It, that game last week, don't get me wrong, it's not an easy throw to make, but it was that 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 play was there because of you running it, and for whatever reason, Illinois was just not covering those crossing and those out routes. It was a good throw, but here's the thing, and I'm not predicting this can happen, but I'm just saying if Ohio State is up by 14, if they're up by 10 in the fourth quarter, eight minutes to go, 
let's say Ohio State's punt of the ball, you know, you're, you're pinned inside your own 20-yard line. I don't know how much longer you can afford to be running the ball. You're going to have to start making some passes. Um, and so that's going to be something that's going to be really interesting um, to see in this game. It, to me, what it really boils down to this game, here's the thing, Blake Corn is probably going to be up. Michigan gives you consistency. Like, even though they were taken to the wire last week by Illinois, they give you consistency, which Ohio State does not give you. Ohio State, however, gives you some explosives, gives you some explosive touchdowns, can can strike 10, 14, 17 points in, in a matter of two minutes. You saw it in the Penn State game. You even saw it in the Maryland game with that crazy, with the block field goal. They can swing momentum like crazy. The question is, which one are you going to depend on? Because here's the thing. I can also see this game going this way. I can see Michigan being up by 10 to 13, maybe even, you know, being up by two possessions in the fourth quarter. It's looking like they're going to run the ball. All of a sudden, a fumble happens. All of a sudden, Ohio State comes roaring back. So this is going to be a really interesting, interesting game. In terms of who I'm picking, um... Look, I have I have really thought about this. This is a hard game to choose. Because, in my opinion, what this game truly does boil down to is if Ohio State is willing to be, not just, not just you know, physical enough, if they are willing to be as physical as Michigan, they got the body types for it. If they're willing to be physical, I'm going to go with Ohio State. If they start backing down, if you see them getting run over, man... That's going to be rough day for Ohio State. I'm going to choose Ohio State in this game. Um, I do think they have explosive offense. CJ Stroud is great. By the way, Heisman implications. If CJ Stroud wins this game, that's the only thing I want to touch on really quick. Not that I think he will. He's not the type of player. But if you're an Ohio State fan, one thing to keep an eye on. And I don't think CJ Stroud would because he's not the type. he's not the type of player. But... And by the way, I am not saying that C.J. Stroud, in any stretch of the imagination, is asked to be a game manager in that offense. However, after seeing the Heisman performance Caleb Williams put on last week, I it, it, it would be I, not that he will necessarily, but I it, it would I, I, yeah, you don't want him to. Try to over make good play. Try to make plays running, thrown across his body for a high school moment. Not that I think he will, but I, I think you know he goes in and he wins that game, and 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 he he's got a big arm. He's a big guy. Um, he can't escape a little bit, and he goes in there and he wins that game. I think the Heisman is his. But obviously, you know. And by the way, even if that's not, if you want to be remembered in Ohio State history, you're going to be far more remembered for for beating Michigan and having a. I mean, if they beat Michigan, they've got a really realistic chance at the national championship. You'll be far more remembered for that than you will be for Heisman. Um, and and CJ Stroud, it's weird too. And one more thing, sorry, I want to talk about one more thing. What's weird with CJ Stroud is you have seen him in games this year, like the Penn State game where he's under pressure. If his offensive line gives him time to throw, he is epic. He can make tight seam throws. He can fit that thing through the tightest windows. I mean, he can he can throw the ball all over the yard on a dime. If the offensive line came time to throw, how do you give your offensive line time to throw against a physical defense? 
you'd be, you'd be able to run the ball in the first and the second quarter and throughout the game. And uh, if Ohio State could do that, they got a good shot. Now, if Michigan can do that as well, they got a good shot. I'm going to pick Ohio State in this game. It would not surprise me if Michigan wins. I'm going to go with the Buckeyes. Um, it should be an epic, epic game. All right, let's move on here. I am going to shift back to college football in a little bit. I want to go to NFL for a second because there were rumors. Um, well, f- let's go to this first, actually. Zach Wilson, because it is going to tie into what I'm going to talk about with Sean Payne. Zach Wilson uh, is benched this week. He made a comment in a post-game interview. I, you know, people speculate this is the reason, you know, probably is. Um, he made a comment in a post-game interview that a lot of analysts, a lot of people were not happy with, where he was asked if he felt like a defense down because they only scored three points in the entire game. And technically, the defense only allowed three points, and he said no. That is, you know, <laughs> that is a moment where, listen, your your defense is sitting there in the locker room, and this isn't to to keep harping on Zach Wilson because he's very talented, and and I think some of the media this week has been overkill. But I'm just gonna say this: that's a moment where the defense is looking at you. They just play the game with their lives. They just shut down Bill Belichick to three points all game, all game, and and. and you know, you were struggling to make passes. The offense was struggling. And you are and you have the chance in that moment while the defense is sitting there ticked because they lost the game. You have a moment um, for them, you know, not only to hear that locker room, for them to see that social media stuff um, where, where you're like, yes, that's my fault. We left the defense down. They played the, they played the game with their lives. They were tremendous. And you start showering the defense with compliments. That's a moment where you can do that. And he didn't say that. He said no. Now, listen, I I understand. And I, I used to do a podcast uh, with Hugh Jackson, and he used to always say, anytime you put a microphone in front of an athlete after a tough loss and the emotions are go are, are whirling around, he goes, you're going to get responses like pretty much like we saw Zach Wilson. Even so, even so, that is not something that you can say. You're not. It's one thing if the running back said this, if the wide receiver said this. You're the quarterback of the franchise. You put up three points in the entire game. Your defense played the game of their lives. If he would have just imagine, imagine this. And I know people are like, well, it's not that big a deal. And I do agree. The media was a little bit overkill, but still. For everybody, it's like it's not that big a deal. Let me ask you this. What if he would have said what I said he should have said or what everybody else said he should have said? You know, maybe the game gets talked about on these morning shows and stuff like that the next day. And they're like, man, the offense struggled. The offense struggled. Nobody in the – nobody – I feel confident that nobody would have been suggesting. But they should bench him. Nobody would have been saying that. What if he just would have said, yeah, that's my fault. Do you really think – he would be sitting out this weekend. Do you really think the def- the defense would be mad for a little while? I think they got over by Monday afternoon, Tuesday practice. But you just lost. Thir- you had already lost thirteen in a row to the Patriots. This was your time to win. You put up three points. It's going to be sour in your mouth. It's going to be sour in the defense. The least you can do is sit there and say, "Yeah, it's my fault." And when that happens, 
how this you know how this is still being talked about today on Thanksgiving Thursday, um, how how it's going to be a subject on Sunday I believe when you watch the game and you hear the announcer say obviously Zach Wilson out because you made this comment after whatever, it would not be a subject. It would not be still being talked about. It would be gone in the ether. But it's not because he had because I emotions are are whirling around your head and I get that, but you got to be able to say the right thing when you're the NFL quarterback. All right, let's move on to the next NFL topic, which is Sean Payton is eyeing um, some jobs that that appear that seem as if they will soon be open. One of which I want to talk about one in particular. One of which is the Cardinals, because as you guys know, um, I am a big supporter and fan of Kyler Murray. I think his talent is second to none. I think we've never seen anything like him, including Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick. I think he, I think he can, he, he, he has a arm and a ball that he throws that is, you know, not that Lamar Jackson can't throw, Michael Vick can't throw, but he has got, he's not lacking anything in the throwing department, um, and then his mobility is second to none. So, why I want to talk about the Cardinals? I was watching. Uh, the Monday night uh, pregame the other day. And they were on the panel and they were talking about, you know, Kyler Murray um, needs to, you get leadership with Colt McCoy that you don't get with Kyler Murray. And you know what? I kind of just had to sit there and be like, yeah, you know what? They're right. I, I love Kyler Murray. I, he's a great quarterback. But the reality with Kyler is... <laughs> And this is just, and I, and this is just something that, again, as an NFL quarterback, it's one thing if the receiver does this. As an NFL quarterback, you have to be able to not do this. You, your body language has to be better there in the games. You, you can't be, you can't be having altercations with, with, you know, DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline. And you're like, well, well, it's emotion, and these things happen all the time. I'm not saying you can never have an argument with the team on the sideline or anything like that. But the thing with Kyler is it feels like it's all the time. It, it feels like he's telling Cliff Kingsbury to chill the F out or, or, or this or, or he's waving off teammates or he's rolling his eyes. By the way, I, don't, I cannot for the life of me, I watch these Cardinals games. If you watch them and you're a Cardinals fan, you will know what I'm talking about. He does not look at the play clock. I feel like they're, and, I, and you could say it's game plan, he is not ready to go. The, he does not have the offense ready to go by the time the clock hits zero on the play clock a lot of the time. They need a leadership position. And, and, what I, and then what I started thinking was, you know, though, even here's the thing, though. Even if he cleans that stuff up, which I think he will, if I think he will. It doesn't make someone a good leader just because you don't do those things. And so that's why I started thinking. You know, there are a lot of quarterbacks that are successful I don't think are great leaders. Why, though? Well, because I think the coaching is there. I think if you don't have, if you have a talented quarterback, but he's not a great leader, you got the coach there. And I, Cliff Kingsbury... I think he will find a job somewhere as an offensive coordinator. He will be somewhere in college. His offense is good, but when you look at this Cardinals team, the problem for them, in my opinion, is 
I think they are a little too glamorous, if that makes sense. You know, you got DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, and you got Rondale Moore and Kyler Murray. But, you know, J.J. Watt is an aging defensive end. He's good, but he's an aging defensive end. You really need more size and physicality on this team. Like, desperately, desperately. You know, especially when you... Listen, the the, the Rams were kind of a one-time Super Bowl champion, okay? But when you're going to be playing the 49ers every year, twice a year at minimum, you need some physicality on that team. And it just seems to me like like Cliff Kingsbury and, and this Cardinals team, they just do not address it. They just do not address it. And by the way, people criticize. Now, this is where I will defend Kyler Murray. They're like, well, he doesn't run as much as he used to. Again, Kyler Murray, while using his legs, why he should use his legs because it's one of his greatest gifts, should not have to run for his absolute life in order to get a three-yard out. Everything is hard for this Cardinals offense. Everything. It, it, it feels like that, that two-point play earlier in the year, remember that when they had the big comeback against the Raiders where Kyler Murray made that epic play? We were just running around in the backfield for like 25 seconds. That should not have to happen every time you need a spark or every time you need to win a game. I'm not saying don't use his legs. I'm saying they should be used, but it shouldn't have to happen every time. And I think that's part of it with Kyler Murray and why he does get frustrated and why, why I don't, you know, why it's not good. I, that, that's, I think that's where it comes from. Sean Payton in his offense maybe, you know, a little harder on Kyler Murray. Maybe he's a little harder on this Arizona Cardinals team. I think he could do a world of good for this Cardinals team. Now, do I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to get fired? You know, I don't want to speculate on that. And do I, you know, is it the end of the, is it bad if he stays there? No. But they need to address the physicality, and they need more of a leadership. In the, and I think Kyler, in all honesty, needs to be coached a little harder. Um, you know, that's just my opinion on it. All right, let's shift back to college. Um, there was uh, so so. There's a couple other good games this weekend. One of which is USC and Notre Dame. That game is going to be amazing as well. That's going to be the nightcap. Um, so look, this is a game. So so what's what's so interesting about this game is we will know the result by the time they play of the game Ohio State and Michigan, right? We'll know how the game plays out. Let me paint you a scenario here. I don't care who loses, Ohio State or Michigan, in this scenario, but let's just say they lose in a nail biter. Okay? USC now knows. Okay, well, Ohio State Michigan are sitting right there. We have, and this is assuming TCU wins, which I think they will, and Georgia wins, which I think they will. Um, USC now knows we have to beat Notre Dame and win out to make it to the playoffs. I think Notre Dame's going to win this weekend, and I love USC, and what Lincoln Riley did this year is incredible, and I think they're going to make a New Year's Six Bowl, and Caleb Williams is going to be a finalist for the Heisman, may win it depending on what happens in the game, Ohio State-Michigan. Lincoln Riley's done a phenomenal job with that program. But wouldn't it be... Because this is a battle of first-year head coaches here, too. Let's not forget that um, with Marcus Freeman. By the way, Marcus Freeman, good for him. He got this Notre Dame team... Okay, so let's recap kind of what happened. 
they got absolutely, uh, he got absolutely, this is still going back to almost a full calendar year ago. He got thrown into the absolute mess where he was named the head coach for a bowl game against last year was a really good Oklahoma State team, a New Year's Six bowl game, and they lost. Okay, first game. Then his first regular season game, oh, that's on the road at Ohio State. Then then you see all the Instagram posts. First Notre Dame coach to start 0-2. Well, yeah, you didn't take context into it. Okay? He had to play an Oklahoma State team where he was just thrown into the mix. He wasn't expecting to be the head coach under Brian Kelly's schemes and all that. And then the year, and then the first game the year after is going at, on the road at Ohio State. That's pretty hard to do. Okay, so let's talk about the next time. Let's talk about the next game. So you lose. Now, this, now, now these two are bad. I admit it. You lose to Marshall and Stanford. And then it's like, oh, he lost the locker room. This is a bad hire. This is a bad hire. They absolutely turned that puppy around. There is a chance with the win this weekend at you, uh, against USC that they get into a New Year's Six Bowl. And that is incredible. With the quarterback struggles they've had this year with all this, Marcus Freeman has proven to be a good coach. Um, and, and you know, good for him. And I think he's going to sing the true win. Because let's not forget, and I like Lincoln Riley, and he's a great coach. But everybody was just like, he turned this program around. And Marcus Freeman, oh, he's doing a terrible job. Well, guess what? If if Notre Dame wins this weekend, and they have a realistic shot of doing so, not only will we have a head-to-head win against Lincoln Riley and the Trojans team, he will, the, the, uh, USC's record will be two losses. Notre Dame's record will be three. But they have the head-to-head win over USC. Pretty even. And you're like, well, but Marcus Freeman was was a was a given a better program. Okay. But you know what the difference is, though? Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma and chose to go to USC. Not criticizing it, but he made that choice. Marcus Freeman was the defensive coordinator. Nobody even thought like like it wasn't even like like a news report for like over a week, if I'm remembering correctly. And then Brian Kelly just darted and went to LSU. He was thrown in this situation. And he's done a great job. And I think they're going to win this weekend. And it's something against Lincoln Ryan and the Trojans. He's done a great job too. But you know what? Marcus Freeman has done a phenomenal job. I think he's going to get the win this weekend. And um, he's going to get some recruits. He's going to get some recruits if they get that win this weekend. They're going to be, give it a year or two, that program is going to be rolling. All right. So, but, but anyway, it, really quick, what that has to do with this is if USC loses this weekend, I'm going to say it right now, depending on, and I think the game's going to be close, I think the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, no matter who it is, gets into the playoff as long as it's a close game that they play. Because I think USC's going to lose this weekend, and I think LSU's going to... None of this, and you're like, well, that's a lot of steps. But none of the steps are... All of the steps are almost like 
predicted by Vegas themselves. All that has to happen is Ohio State Michigan play in a close game. Okay? That's not that hard to think. That that, that that's real very realistic that's gonna happen. Notre Dame beats USC. That is very realistic that's gonna happen, especially the way Notre Dame's been playing. And USC coming off the game of their lives against UCLA. And then all that has to happen is Georgia, who's the best team in the SEC, probably the best in college football, beat a two-loss LSU team, which Vegas will have also predicted that. It's a lot. It's three steps, but they are very realistic. It's just the domino effect. And I'm excited to see. I'm going with the Buckeyes this weekend, but it would not surprise me at all if Michigan wins. Um, should be a great game. I cannot wait for it. Um, Heisman implications, national championship implications. Cannot wait. See you next time on Reds Radio. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your enjoy this great weekend of football, and I'll see you next time on Reds Radio.